seekers, explorers, and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Well, it seems like we're on a bit of a theme here at the Alchemy Experience Podcast, and looking at the experiences uh, that we go through in the paradigm shifts, or awakenings, if you so prefer. Today we are looking at uh, the transition, so the period when you are uh, understanding a little bit more about your purpose and where you're going, which is going to be different from where you come from, because now you're starting to shed all the uh, programming and all the, uh, shall we say, the conditioning that you've uh, gotten through, through religion, through society, your parents and so forth. And now you're starting to move into something that is more authentically you. Um, but that comes with its own challenges because now we are uh, moving into something entirely new. And it is, you know, f- uh, frightening to a lot of people. And there's a lot of fear coming up. And of course, we have uh, these uh, mental uh, concepts uh, like the loss aversion adver- uh, and so forth that do kind of hold us back and prevent us from stepping into what we're meant to do. And today we have uh, Scott uh, Gazzoli with us to share his experiences as he's uh, rather right smack bang in the middle of his transitioning. He is a uh, successful businessman from New York. He runs a boutique uh, agency for high net worth individuals in New York called the Quest Organization. So let's hear what Scott has to say and uh, enjoy. Today we have uh, Scott Gazzoli with us and I'm sure the has the New York uh, New Yorkification of your last name has that uh, changed it? Is it Gazzoli or do you pronounce it the Italian? You you said it the right way. Yeah, all the, it, it depends which Italian person. Yes, Gazzoli. That's that's correct. But I, I think Gazzoli, you know, yeah. most most people just go Gazzoli. So unfortunately, but appreciate well, you, just, you doing the right one. You just have to think pizza, right? <laughs> exactly. And exactly. Just pronounce it correctly. So, <laughs> well, as always, we start out with a quote, and uh, the topic for today is. Uh, transitioning the or the transition in the uh, uh, paradigm shift so this is from isaac asimov Um, life is pleasant death is peaceful it's the transition that's troublesome and uh, i think a lot of us can attest to uh, that sentiment Uh, and scott so uh, i wanted to before we get into kind of where you are currently at um share a little bit about your background and where you're from and kind of the uh, the the 3d experience that you've had thus far oh man so everybody buckle in <laughs> for this this is this is going to be a story start taking notes whatever thank you for having me chris uh my pleasure excited to be here uh so i will start this journey uh where to begin so if you looked at me when i was 13 years old i was um my family had some let's just say mafia connections so i was being groomed to kind of be a member of that whole thing and you know going in that in that direction now to to give more people background story i'm happy to my father and all that stuff my father um to this day don't know where he is he got into the witness protection program he was one of the first rico cases this is the kind of life that i was living so a lot of uncertainty a lot of kind of chaos and a lot of this craziness so i do 
tend to deal okay with that. Um, fast forward to being 22, 23, my mother said, listen, you can't not get involved in any of this stuff. You're a smart kid. We're going to get you, you know, all these degrees. Do you want to be a doctor, a lawyer or in finance? And I said, why do I only have those choices? But listen, this is, this is my life. So I said, what's going to be the least amount of years in school, uh, double major in accounting and finance, got my MBA, blah, 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 blah. Uh, ended up working in, in a hedge fund with, um, ultra high net worth individuals. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of BS my way onto an interview. And I was the, I was responsible for the first um, actual financial performance reporting for um, billionaires who were in a, in a political position, because what they saw was that there was just some questionable things being done. So it was my job to do that. Uh, being a 23 year old kid, having to go face to face with billionaires and have these discussions like your parcel of land isn't worth this money. It's worth that money. It's, it just taught me, you know, I was getting myself sick and I ended up getting, um, I actually got ulcers from the stress because it was like, how do I do this? How do I go about this? This is hard, all this stuff. So um, my cousin gave me my first book. My cousin lives in Thailand, one of these very spiritual guys. It was called Mindfulness in Plain English. I couldn't sit still for 30 seconds. Um, never would have thought I'd be you know, a meditator now for an hour and a half every day. Um, and that was like the first little sprinkle of spirituality and mindfulness. So it really just started off as a way to release anxiety. That was 23. That was about nine or 10 years ago. Um, and through my life now, I just kind of added these pieces to the puzzle of, of spirituality. And I would say that it, it has become the most fulfilling, the most, um, the, just the best part of my life. And now that's kind of why I created my podcast to, to really just the goal of, of causing the effect is to, to become the truest version of yourself, to um, unveil the, the forms of illusion that we kind of deal with on an everyday basis, chasing money, chasing suffering and sprinkle throughout my 20s. I would say we do have an obsessive personality. So I've been addicted to everything. You name it, drugs, gambling, women, anything that's good. I've, I've had a taste of it to the extreme. Um, and, you know, the, when I turned 30, um, I went through a divorce, which really was, I would say, the beginning of me kind of waking up. I felt like I did everything I wanted my mother to become of me. She said, make a million dollars by the time you're 27, marry a nice Italian girl, blah, 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 blah. I did that. And I said, Ma, I still don't like it. Like this didn't work. So um, I promised myself to stick to the things that I feel like I'm here to do, which is be a, an agent of change, a vehicle of change, a vessel of change, whatever you like to call that um, through my podcast and connecting with people, stand up comedy um, and in my day job you know, kind of being a problem solver for these billionaires now, which I never would have thought is, um, you know, such a part of me now too. So that's a, the medium answer for you, Chris. <laughs> well, that is, uh, you know, in a New York minute, speeding through uh, your, your uh, experiences. Uh, and um, yeah, you mentioned you, you are managing director of uh, uh, the Quest or Quest organization, which is a boutique advisory firm uh, for, uh, you know, high net worth individuals, right? Correct. Correct. So you you are working in, so you kind of the same way that I work in motorsport, where we work kind of behind the scenes to make things uh, work. We're like producing the event, right? You're kind of producing the lives of these high net worth individuals, right? Yeah, and it, it's it kind of started off that you know billionaires are just kind of wacky people anyway because they live in such a different world that you know they like to have one person to go to for certain things. So technically, what we do would be called operational advisory. So if you come to me and you're you're looking to build out your family office instead of going to um, a law firm and charging they charge about three to four million dollars, you come to me. Um, I have them on retainer already, so it's free. Uh, given that, you know, you're going to work with us exclusively and all that good jazz. So um, it's a very niche market. We kind of created it. I got lucky because I, uh, my president knew all the real estate uh, billionaires here in New York City, more of that old school money. Um, 
and I knew some urban money from my time with title. And then uh, my original family office was six of the wealthiest Goldman Sachs partners. So very lucky. Um, and I think the way I treat them is, you know, from being in this space for 10 years, you just kind of, it doesn't phase me. Um, mm. I, I don't, I treat them like human beings. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's the, the hardest thing for them is they're always looking for people or always trying to pull something from them and they're, they're coming to me. So I don't really play the game of, I treat them just like everybody else. Like they're getting Scott from Brooklyn. If you have an issue, if you don't like the style, sometimes I'm too raw. Sometimes I'm too, you know, not polished, whatever. Then you can take a walk. It doesn't really, it doesn't affect me. So, um, you know, I think the, the one thing that I just try to do is treat them mm. like individuals and really just say, listen, uh, time is, is your biggest commodity. You have all the money in the world. How can we do things more efficiently? Who can I connect you with to get to where you want to go? And these people, you know, some people want like, uh, Howard Stern wanting somebody to look over his estate. He has the biggest estate in Florida, 115,000 square feet. You know, he wanted to find somebody at that level to find, we'll go find that. So there's a recruiting aspect to it. Somebody wanted to buy the Mets. So I connect them with the people to buy the Mets. So a lot of different things. It's doesn't work for some people because there's not a there's not a box that, that we what we really do. It's basically like, you know, somebody calls you, what's what's the problem? How do we solve it? So there's a lot of critical thinking. So it's, it's a different skill set than a typical accountant who's like, I'm just going to do the same thing as last year. Does my debits fit my credits? And, you know, yada, yada, yada. So. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, it is really working with, I suppose, uh, that, that aspect of 3D reality that really hampers a lot of people, that aspect, idea of uh, wealth and money. It's something that we all need. And it's the more we quote unquote need it, the less we kind of have. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting, uh, you know, that your journey has taken this turn coming from that, that uh, side of things. So um, if you look back on, you know, the past nine years or, you know, nine years ago, uh, how how difficult was it for you to kind of make a turn and say, as you said, ma, that's not working for me. You know, how difficult was it to have that switch in your head to say, you know what, I'm just not going to stick to the uh, programming or the conditioning any longer. Man, it, it still is hard. And uh, back then, I now uh, I think it's my mother's just knows like whatever I tell my son to do, he will do the opposite of spite or just out of me being my own person. Um, so shout out to my mother. She's been through, through a lot of shit. So when, when you go to your mother at 25 years old and you say, listen, I, I did everything and I got exactly where people can't get to and all making all this money, blah, blah, blah. But guess it just doesn't fulfill me. And um, it was not easy. My mother's a old school Italian woman who says, you know, you're an asshole. I'm throwing you out of the house, blah, blah, blah. I've never talked again. And I kind of, I, I, it was, I call her bluff now. Cause you know, she, maybe she'll block me for a couple of days, but, but getting that belief that you could actually go and create something, um, it was a big issue for me. Cause I always felt like I'm a, I'm walking money. If somebody gives me the, tells me how to do it, how to sell and how to do all the stuff. If you give me the steps, I could do it. Um, so that jump of moving from being an accountant, having a, like the plan, the trial balances, the income statement, the balance sheets, and looking at that and going into something, I'm going to just kind of make this up on my own. Mm. Um, now I had my boss who was doing this for 20 years, but on a different capacity, um, kind of just came in and he gave me, once you start seeing something work, you kind of fake it till you make it. And then once I saw it actually work, I'm like, wow, we could charge this amount of money. We could do this. And, you know, these people are connecting and really adding that truly any value to people. Um, it was unbelievable. So, so as scary and uncertain and as like, I literally, what made this change was uh, I started getting ulcers in my stomach. So from the anxiety, from the stress, I literally just, and I, I believe that 
I didn't know what I was thinking. I just knew something has to change here. I have to get out of the space. Um, I knew I wanted to be involved with people. I just didn't know in what capacity. And, and it's still funny in this position I'm in now having this transition and, and going from, well, now you're, you're, still, you're in a different spot. I'm the boss and I have all this good stuff. There's still more to go. So there's still that same bit of uncertainty, but I think understanding that you really, you're not going to, you're not going to have this belief before you go ahead and make action. You have to kind of make the action and do it simultaneously, figure it out on the fly. Um, so it, it is not the, the, the easiest thing. And even being in this position now, working 20, 30 hours a week, making all this money built, you built this. Um, you still say to yourself, well, I could be spending that 20, 30 hours fulfilling this purpose or this bigger essence of mine. But I'm starting to understand, like, I'm in a great position, starting to look at things from a different perspective, being very grateful and just saying, I can do everything. Um, so I keep my Monday, Friday, Saturday, Sundays for podcasting and comedy. And then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, really cranking it out in Manhattan. So. Yeah, it is interesting because as we were talking before we started recording here, the, a lot of people would look at your job, your day job as it were, and say, wow, that's so glamorous. You know, how, how can you even consider leaving that? And so what is it about your, your, day job that you feel that you you yeah it's not working any longer what, what is it that kind of moves you away from that yeah so it you know very grateful for my clients and, and all that stuff but you know when they're helping people who are worth billions say how much am i really helping you you know and sometimes these things that they ask you to do could be a little you know, like who really cares? Like in, in the reality of things, are you really creating change for human beings on a deeper and more impactful level? Like I feel like when I'm in my gym or when I'm just walking through and somebody sits down and talks to me about a book or when, when you help somebody younger, there's a lot more impact. Um, that meaning that I give it at least um, is different. And now I also have to take into account, I've never had a job where I'm not making money. So I can't, you know, I do like the finer things and all that stuff. So I do kind of take this for granted. I do understand that. Um, but, but for me, I think that I am capable of, of making a bigger change for people um, that aren't so much the, the upper echelon or, or, or whatever. And, um, you know, it's funny. The only reason I really started this podcast is because one of my clients, um, very successful, very one, one of these, um, you know, really nice guys, 45-year-old billionaire, it was his idea. He fronted the money for us and he was like, I believe in you. And just like, it's funny how one person's belief could, could push and create such an amazing thing to, to, to kind of happen today. So I, I hate that I need kind of a little backing, but I'm learning that I need a little help along the way with this process too. Well, that might be something you're learning about yourself as well. And being, uh, taking that step to allowing yourself to get help as it were. Exactly. Uh, or to receive assistance. Because I think a lot of people cha are challenged with that. I, I'm one for, for that, <laughs> for sure. Um, so, yeah, coming from this traditional background, what, what was some of the mainstays in terms of the conditioning that you've had to, that you've kind of checked off the list? Okay, that were kind of the most, most difficult to, to change your mindset about. I, the, the biggest struggle for me, I still have an issue with it, is the, the identity, right? Going from Scott wearing the suits, the, the, you know, they call me over here, they call me the great Scott. And having that, it's funny, ha, 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 you know, you get the girls, you wear the suit, you do the drugs, you get the bottles. So all these things are fun and it's still nice. But letting go of that identity um, during COVID was the best thing ever because there's nobody. I was sitting here and I was, I was meditating. And this put me so much deeper into it. And you start realizing why? 
why was I doing this? Why? And you keep just kind of peeling the onion back. Um, and now you see it going into the office four days a week in Manhattan. It's coming back. All these things keep popping up. And, um, you know, uh, Carl Young calls it the retrogression of the self, kind of going back to the person that you didn't want to be just because you're social and your conditional, uh, you know, your conditioning. Um, so just that identity um, and kind of creating and integrating this new spiritual side of Scott, the cause and the effect, Scott, with this other piece of Scott. Now, I'm trying to do a little bit of everything in the balance, but I, I would say letting go of that, that ego side for me has been the hardest part that, 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 you know, not putting the picture with the thing in the club, doing something that, that, you know, it's like, why am I doing it? But you just keep doing it. That's really where I'm at at this point, that the identity crisis is probably the biggest issue. Yeah. I mean, that's what I found when I was going through, uh, well, when I was in the throes of the initial stages of the transitioning, because I think the transition transition is a, uh, continuous but it gets it gets easier <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but i think that was one of the big challenges and i compare it to a near-death experience because it is you you as you say you're killing off um, a version of yourself and i uh, aspect of your identity so from one day to another you are now a different person than you were yesterday or last year or the year before that um so I totally agree with you. It is one of the more challenging challenging aspects is the uh, the shift in identity. Um, uh, now, in terms of you know the foundation, I, I understand you traditional Italian family home. Uh, where the when you were growing up, were there were there a sense or a feeling within you of incongruency between what you were told that the world looked like and what you felt it looked like? Yes. Um, and that was how I lived my life. So I was always going with what the herd was doing. I never wanted to be unique. I never wanted to do the things that even, you know, even uncover these things. I never, I, I was unconscious. I was never even aware of this. So for example, uh, playing sports, football and basketball, I still, you know, will dabble in sport. I really don't even watch sports anymore. I was such into, into a football because my mother thought it was good. I was a big kid. I was pretty athletic. So, you know, if I never, uh, I tore my ACL when I was 18, I was going to college to play football. I was going to uh, central Florida, blah, 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 blah. And I look back at that and I go, why was I even like, I didn't even really like it, but, um, you're just kind of going, it's just like, once you start doing something, I wanted to hit a certain level of being good at it. And that was, again, comes back to the ego and then having, you know, what else am I going to do? I'm going to do like, I, I never picked up a philosophy book till I was 25. I never picked up a psychology book till I was 26. I told my mother, I was like, I think I like psych psychology. It's like, what, I mean, what are you going to work at the psychology factory? And he's like, all right, that kind of makes sense. Ma. So, uh, you know, it, it, again, it was just, if I never picked up football, maybe something else would have popped up and then add the emotional side of being an Italian, at least in my family is, well, we'll just kind of eat it away on Sundays. There's, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. And going through my childhood too, having your father disappear when you're six years old and your mom just going, well, he's just not here anymore. It's like that obviously leaves a crack in, in your soul. And like, what, what is wrong with me? And leaves this thing of, of, you know, how do I, who's teaching me how to shave and, and all this stuff. So um, there's a lot of different moving pieces, but I did, um, I did pick up some things from my family, as far as us being super close, loyalty, trust, integrity, let your actions match your words, things that I think uh, I kind of use in my interpersonal relationships now that that gets me, you know, just just things that I kind of stand by. And those things um, 
clearly from your background, you know, with the uh, La Familia, as it were, um, I suppose they, they can be very much out of balance. Uh, you know, that, that loyalty that is re requested or required uh, can be a little bit uh, out of balance and you kind of get a different perspective of it because the loyalty they want is that you do what they tell you to do or do it how they tell you to do it. The loyalty from your perspective, what is that nowadays? The loyalty now is I'm going to live the life that I've architected, but you know, I'm still the person that everybody would call it to in the family. What happened was um, one of my uncles who was considered, who was my father, really, when my father disappeared, he passed away of brain cancer when I was 25. And that's really when I would say I went off the hinge. I was, I was looking at stuff from a nihilistic standpoint. I was partying. I was like, I'm just going to roll. I'm going to go. Um, and I, since then, I've taken the approach of like, instead of running away from the burden of who's taking care of my family, I'm going to become the patriarch of this family. I'm going to become the person that everybody comes to, whether, whether you need money, whether you need um, the kid that, the, that the, the young cousins will come to, to set up their Robin Hood accounts they can learn how to long-term invest the the person that you come to when you, when you need fitness help the, just a, more of what i try to be for my for my listeners is just like come to me with questions and i'll try to find the answers to them so i i've really tried to take that burden and even um i always had a feeling of not being loved and mm -hmm. I, that was like what i was always looking for um as a as a kid as a into my 20s i said instead of looking for this i'm just gonna give it um and now i'm on year what four to five of doing this and it's like too, uh, everybody loves me too much. I need less love in my life. So I'm grateful and I, I see it. And it's just so funny how you just kind of flip that around um, and you start just giving it everywhere I could. It comes back in spades. Oh, that's a beautiful <clears throat> sentiment to portray there, Scott. Um, and it's, but it is, um, I don't know if you can necessarily have too much love, but uh, you can certainly have too much attention, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the, so when you look at what you're feeling drawn to doing now, is there a parallel from like your younger years that you can look back and say, ah, that's, that's where that came from? Yes. Um, and this is something I think about quite a bit, because I would say, um, you know, you go through these journeys of trying to figure out like your purpose and your path. And it's like you're moving towards like a star that's like moving. Right. That's like, uh, you know, that's what they did in the Bible. The three wise men were moving towards this the star that's just altering. So it's like, for you know, even comedy, you go towards comedy. There's obviously I love people. I love connecting. I know there's something there. But when I was in high school and even when in the gym now, there's always young guys. Um, they're, they're, they're attracted to me in a sense, like I'm like their big brother. And even when um, in high school and even on the train now, I feel like I, I'm the, the doer of right. If somebody's getting picked on, if somebody's, you know, busting their child, I'm going to stick up for somebody. I feel like that's that's me. And now this could come back to, you know, my father not being there and kind of having to, to lay up my own, my own land. But I do think I am looked at as a certain way from, from a younger audience, men and women now, um, just to simply help them. And, and, and the same kind of, relationship that I, that I try to show people is like, I'm not trying to take anything from you. There's nothing here. I'm simply here to give. And it's the same thing we're talking about with that love. I'm just here to give. So whether it's taking 20 minutes out of my gym day to sit with a kid, talk about his family, talk about what's going on in his thing, you know, cause I get these emails every day from these kids, you know, having these, these same issues, Scott, I'm working nine to five and I want to do this. I really want to move away from whatever their job is, but I just feel like there's something else for me. Um, what do I do? And I feel like figuring that out with people and being able to give them the confidence and, and remove the fear and, you know, believe, really believe in themselves is part of what 
um, the process is what I will end up be doing. So that's why public speaking keeps coming up for me and, and getting the offer of these engagements and all this stuff. And it's so interesting that I grew up with debilitating stage fright my whole life. Literally, I would start shaking. I can never do it up until I turned 30. And I said, I'm going to do this. And now 150, 200 comedy shows underneath, you know, uh, after going towards your biggest fear, instead of I ran away from that my whole life, ran away from this stupid thing, talking in front of people. And it's like, if anybody takes anything from this, just run, run directly at your fear. Um, and just go and just go right at it. And there's lessons there. there. There's there's depth. There's that's where that's your dragon, right? That's where the gold lies is is in the middle of the fear. Well, that, that's such a strange thing, isn't it? I mean, you certainly, of course, I didn't know you ten years ago, but <laughs> you don't strike me as someone who would have those types of fear in terms of self confidence and self esteem and those things. Uh, but of course. You know the the inside uh, can often be uh, well masked uh, from very uh, very well masked. Very, and I was I'm an expert expert masker. I'll tell you that much. So. <laughs> yeah, and it's it is. I suppose if you grow up in that type of an environment that is uh, rough and tumble, as it were, um, you know, walking around and being sensitive is not going to help you. It was, yeah, I, I, I naturally I was always that type of person, but I was always nervous, even even with with my friends who were guys like we never spoke about feelings, never spoke. Oh, it's about the women. It's about it's, it was always weird. And now it's funny, like went out Saturday night, met these brand new guys. These are, you know, 30, 35 year old guys who are well, you know, a couple. And that's the first thing I'm talking about is feelings. So that's just I, I love going there. I don't want to talk about the weather. I don't want to talk about this. Like, what is, what is your essence telling? Like, what, what's really going on? Don't tell me it's fine. Like, what, what are we talking about here? Um, and it's just so it's so funny how open people are. And I never would I never would have thought that 10 years ago, like just by opening yourself up, everybody else kind of gets more open with you. How do you deal with um, people coming and going as it were? Because I found that in my pro in my process in this kind of transitioning that the new people, or rather the the orders, people would kind of say, "No, nah, I don't like this new Christopher," and they would kind of distance themselves. But there would be new people coming in, filling those spaces, um, because you know a lot of people don't like this whole idea of you know, they just want to talk about football and. Uh, baseball and whatever you know fun stuff they're doing the, the going deep is not even on the cards right so is that has that been a challenge for you the challenge for me has been under like now i have the confidence to speak up that's been my new things you know I, i'm a person who's um high in agreeableness let's say so i was always scared to like just you know if i had somebody who just didn't maybe i didn't like something they did i would just kind of hold it in um and that was the worst thing for me so get removing the people in my life that really didn't contribute, you know, not even not in, in, in not being against it just really had a negative energy. And I would even say, you know, I, I tried to have a relationship with, with my father. Um, you know, you know, he's uh, in the witness protection program, just trying to, to be around him more and just understand, like, I really didn't like who my father was and going through that process um, has been, you know, more of a thing. So doing, doing, trying to be as straightforward with people as I could be like, listen, I'm on this new path. Um, and I can't afford to have this negative energy in my life just because I feel it. And it just isn't good for me. I've had to have that conversation with multiple people. Um, and I think people probably, probably don't like it, probably talk the shit behind them, you know, probably don't like me really anymore. But I think there's a respect there that's like you're you're good. Um, I don't have you, I don't have to hold anything and holding that that negative bench, holding that anger or this or that, and just like letting go of it. Um, and just saying when I see you, I see you, and I'm gonna always support you. But 
um, you know, I, I'm on this new thing and I have, I need to be very careful with who is around me because your environment makes up who you are. You know, they say, um, the five people you're around is going to be who you really end up becoming. So, um, keeping that at work, um, you know, we have to hire people who are, you know, spiritually driven or not competitive, especially in New York city where everybody, you know, you should, everybody could be a little cutthroat here. Um, that has been, and it hurts when you do that stuff, but you have to do what's best for you and be able to, um, to do it. Now, as far as like speaking about this stuff with people who I never would have thought it's been like, overwhelmingly positive. It's so interesting. When I, I was always so embarrassed to tell people I had a podcast and I had this thing I wanted to do and everybody's been so open. And even my cousins who love football, who are the cops and they, you know, they, they're firemen and all this stuff. I'm sure behind they're like, oh my God, this could probably lost his mind a little bit. But I think I come from it from a humility standpoint. I come from it from a very humble standpoint. I'm not trying to push anything. I don't, I barely talk about this if people don't want to talk about it. But if you want to go there, let's go there. We can talk about the conditioning of our consciousness and go there and talk about all. Of it. So it's been, uh, it's been refreshing, honestly. Well, that's uh, beautiful, and I, yeah, I, I, I will say that most of my friends they don't go there, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, but they, you know, have, haven't been shunned by many people. They some people that have kind of fallen fallen off the wagon, as it were, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that that's perfectly fine. But so if you if you take in this case, and I think this is the case for a lot of us that once we get to the stage of awakening to ourself and start reflecting ourselves and start working through our traumas and our core core wounding and so forth there are people that are no longer in our lives so in this case be your father uh having gone into the witness protection program when he was six years old now what has been your process to deal with that that he's not available for you to get any answers how did how do you deal with the process of not being able to get answers that you may your ego might want Mm -hmm. um so i'm very lucky that i have um my mother has four sisters all had a couple of boys and um there's like a group of nine of us we call ourselves the fellowship if anybody's a lord of the rings fan we're all between 18 and 42 and we are like brothers having that core group of guys um we take our hiking trip once a month we play a board game once a month these are like my real brothers and to consider you know i've had there's seven of them plus i made my two best friends part of the family so i literally get every single guy in my life to be a part of this little group here um and it's such a special thing it's given me such a core uh, a stone foundation of just being like, I have people that have my back truly. And there's no BS and there's no this, there's no that. That has been part of what's got me through. And the other thing is um, understanding that you need figures to kind of mimic yourself through. Some people in your real life, some people in you know your spiritual life, whether it be like you know looking at the, the Buddha or Sadhguru or Jordan Peterson or these people um, looking and modeling what they do. Uh, you know, I model a lot by Jordan Peterson because um, I'm a person who... I would say I really don't have like a, a mentor mentor in my life that's um, physical as I actually have. I've kind of created, I said, I want to be that for myself. Um, so it's harder to, to, to go through that process because you're just making more mistakes along the way. But I personally like that because I think younger people see that and they go, well, I don't need to, you know, everybody has a story. I got 85 different stories of how I could have stopped and quit and gave up and this and that, um, you know, being overweight and having the father thing. And it's just made me more resilient. And, and looking at these processes as not things that happen to me, they happen for me, um, has been really transformative that I always just like cling on to that. Well, I, I'll, you know, this is why I'm this way. I'm broken in a way. And now it's like, no, this is actually the armor that's given me resilience. And, I, you know, I'm going to keep getting up every single time I get knocked down. It's not a question anymore. It's just the way it is. The uh, So from a perspective of, because 
I think with a situation like that, you can resort to anger, you can resort to you know, coping mechanisms, de depression, or you can go into, clearly, when you go into this stage and this transitioning, there is a level of forgiveness and acceptance to whatever choices he made in his life, right? So how, how have you worked through those processes of acceptance and forgiveness? Yes. Yeah, so I have been a, uh, up until two, this year, I never really looked at forgiveness. I would say I was working off of the anger and I was using that as the tool to kind of fuel your fire, to get stuff done. And even from a divorce and all these things that you could look at. And I just felt like I, I was holding something, even though things were, the doing is easy, the completing the goals and hitting it or, you know, all that stuff is great, but are you doing it with grace? Are you doing it with, with humility? And I promised myself this year, I said, I'm going to start forgiving. So I wake up every morning. Part of my, um, of my meditation practice is part connecting part being grateful, but also part forgiving. So taking four to five minutes and actually feel forgiveness for somebody and really understand that I started doing this on January one with my father. And funny enough, uh, I called him yesterday, FaceTime with him for the first time in about seven years and just had a big conversation about, you know, this transition I'm going through. And, you know, my dad's not this type of person. He's, you know, a partier and you know, whatever, all this good stuff. And we had a really nice open conversation. And I told him, listen, you know, we could um, have some sort of relationship, but not obviously, you know, we're not going to have that father son relationship that most people have because, you know, the situation, all that stuff. And he was a step. I never saw my father cry. I was hysterical crying for like two hours. It was crazy. And he, you know, he felt bad and just understanding, like, it's hard for, for me to understand what he went through. I didn't know part of the story. I didn't know, you know, all these, these different things about how he really had to, you know, he did it for what's best for us. And I didn't know he was the one sending us money every month so that, you know, you find things through, through this process of forgiveness. So um, don't hold on to it. it, it you'll, you'll be able to, to use the anger for, for somewhat, but I don't, I think for the long run, it's not the, the most beneficial way of getting where you'd like to be. Yeah, no, it's those kind of uh, low frequency uh, and uh, vibrations, they're, they're just going to eat away at you. So uh, I think reaching forgiveness is never about the other person. It's always about yourself and your own process. And, uh, allowing yourself to or giving yourself permission to forgive uh, is also allowing yourself to release so you release that cord that attachment uh, that thought process that we can in initiate by if you have anger coming up and you're not aware of it and the thought process just spins out of control right um, and you can release that um, quite beautifully if you if you accept the, th the way things are and you forgive the people around you that uh, may have done ill towards you or uh, so it's that relationship to understand what what is what's the gift here what, what why am i grateful for in this process and of course you know i, I imagine from you you've as you said you your uncle showed up to become a father figure you've got all these cousins and friends that are your brothers so you, you seek out uh those types of relationships uh, and they uh, healthy relationships because otherwise you know oftentimes i imagine in those cases you know you can seek out unhealthy relationships to try and cope with the loss right 
Exactly. And, and I, I did that too. My twenties. Listen, you're hanging out with people you should be hanging out with. You guys are getting into fights. You're drinking too much. You're partying too much. Like, listen, we'll smoke a little pot, do a little drugs. But, um, you know, my, my cousins are more of the dorky type where you're playing some Dungeons and Dragons, you know, they can't, they can't get me in too much trouble. I'm probably the biggest troublemaker out of, out of the whole group. So, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's, it's who you surround yourself with too. And, um, and setting boundaries as well. Just being able to say, listen, guys, um, like I, I take these trips by myself now and they they, they, they want to come on the track. I go, listen, I need my shaman trip for my month by myself. You guys can come around the last week, but being able to speak up and just say, this is the way this is, mm-hmm. um, you know, not, you know, you don't have to say yes to everything that, that, that I was automatically a yes guy. Just, I just wanted everything to go smooth. I didn't want what's best for me. I just wanted what's best for everybody else. And I'm not saying that's really the worst thing, but in the long run, it was just kind of, there's just an incongruence, um, within that I, that I, that I was feeling. Yeah, and the um, so looking at the the process that you're going through now, uh, you know, you have your day job, and now you have this calling, the this draw that you're being pulled towards, um, and I suppose you may not have figured this out yet, but uh, you know, how are you dealing with that? How are you dealing with? one foot in the 3d as it were or in your old life and uh, one in the new yeah it's uh it's been a struggle honestly i did during covid i really put in quite a bit of hours of meditation so um i'm two two and a half hours a day so i I really got a good sense of, of understanding how my mind works and um just seeing being able to kind of catch your thoughts and i'm in this this weird process now where my awareness has changed. Like, why am I going into the office for it? It doesn't make sense, right? Why do I have to do this when I can do this from home? And you're having these thoughts and it's like, my cousin was telling me that the spiritual one was just telling me, this is the hardest part of the process where most people give up is you're, you're aware. Like you've reached this level of being aware, but being able to fully detach and really kind of surrender um, the, to, to, to these feelings and just letting things be, um, it's, been, it's been a struggle. And now you get this calling to, to do... I think I will be I will be public speaking or doing something where I can really connect with people on a deeper level. Comedy gave me the skill. I look like a skill, like a tree, like a skill tree. Comedy gave me the skill to be able to talk in front of people and do all this stuff. But there's just something more shallow um, that that I felt about that that maybe uh, it was a little ego driven, a little fame driven. That that you know when you do your set and the girl comes up to you and there's that transference of power and you see that. I was like I, I keep I'm just changing one thing for the same thing. So um, you know maybe moving away from comedy a little bit and taking action more towards being this, you know, maybe a coach or, or you know, whatever that word is of, of who I will be um, right now. I just like, yeah. Mentor just really, I'm putting the, the skill set together to do that. And you know, th- this, you're catching me on a really good day here. So I'm, I'm very, you know, I meditated before this. I feel good. So I'm feeling like I really could do it all because I've been open with my boss. I've had these conversations like here, I'm good. I'm a principal. I'm here, but these other couple of days a week, I'm going to be doing these other things. And he's been surprisingly supportive as well. So um, I do think it's capable to do everything, but it's just going to, it takes a lot of discipline, which um, I'm ready, ready, ready to kind of take on and ready, ready to do all of it. So I'm just curious, was there a pivotal moment of where you felt like you just kind of had to transition? Because I think a lot of times this whole thing is like a very uncomfortable metamorphosis, like a butterfly goes through this chrysalis. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is really painful because it's the, you know, the old for the new and the kind of having a stab in the dark, not knowing exactly where to go. So did you find that there was something specific that was kind of a pivotal thing that shifted you into going into kind of a more transpersonal metaphysical realm in, in your own thinking. Absolutely. I could tell you the date. I could tell you the time. Uh, this was in 
20, this would be 20, 2019. This was, I told uh, me and my ex-wife, this was the last day of, um, we were together in the house. And I told my mother, I said, Ma, listen, I'm getting divorced. She had no idea. I got to come back home. My mother wouldn't let me in the house. So I had to go live in a hotel, which was not the nicest hotel over in uh, this part of Brooklyn here with a lot of sketchy people. And I remember just sitting there, just thinking like, I can go one of two ways here. I could go next door and start doing some crazy drugs with, with these guys in there, or I could, um, I can kind of deal with that pain. And, and I sat with my soul in this hotel room for about two weeks meditating. And that um, anchored me in another way. Cause usually when things got bad for me, I would always kind of go off the hinge and do something silly. And I was so proud of myself that I stuck to this discipline. I was just like, just sitting, being able to, to go through this and not make anything worse. Um, I've said, this is what I'm going to do. And this, this stuff actually works. It put, put another level of belief in me that a can get me through the worst things in my life. Um, and it gave me belief in myself, like, wow, you really can handle a lot more than what you think. Um, so that was about three years ago and I haven't looked back since. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I get, can tell you, I got body chills as you were talking about it, because that's kind of, kind of, um, uh, my process as well, because my ex-wife told me that she wanted to uh, separate and have it, uh, go through a divorce, and I did exactly the same thing. I basically sat down and I meditated, and uh, yeah, I can tell you the date and time as well. <laughs> How was that for you, Chris? How was that process? Um, it was the craziest roller coaster ride I've ever been on. Yeah, uh, you know the. The highs were beyond my wildest dreams of bliss. And just, I remember I would have these experiences where I would, my heart opened up so wide that I could look at anything and there was just love. And it was so powerful that, you know, and just remembering now, I'm like, hard at speaking but it was so powerful that it was uh, difficult to handle uh, and then of course the lows uh, you know body just the whole physical and the mental bodies just reacting to this transition uh, was just so super painful so yeah it was like the ups and the downs and that went on for a good let's say three four months just going through that and before things started to find a little bit of equilibrium but i mean the ups and downs they, they kept going i mean they i would say until about when the pandemic started uh, mm. right before then so mm. it was um yeah so it's really a roller coaster ride which i'm sure you can uh uh, relate to as well and i think anybody who's had an awakening experience uh, can relate to as well yeah no and, and and i was looking for just i was like just give me a sign if i if i, if I did i am i just the asshole that if i make all this stuff up was I, and then from that day like life has been beautiful like not you know knock on wood not obviously we're going through these struggles but like you know my ex-wife never wanted me to invest any money it's like i this is what i do i did this for billionaires like you're not gonna let me invest so now you invest in you know these things and you're making all this money it's like it's just i keep seeing affirmations like you really made the right move mm-hmm. um and even you know when I, I saw her last year which was the final divorce thing she looked at me she's like you just seem like you're just a different human being and i'm like 
I know everybody says that, but I really, I really am like, I'm just at peace. I'm just, I feel like a totally, I can't believe it was, I feel like it was decades ago, um, who the, who that person was. And, um, you know, it's just, it's nice when you could sit and just breathe and just like be yourself. It's, it's the, the gift. Well, isn't it beautiful when you can show up as a role model to others, um, where you just showing up and people can see the change that you've made. They don't even, you don't even need to see and say anything. It's just the energy around you has changed and they go, oh, that's interesting. You've changed. You're a different person. I like it. How did you do that? And they start engaging hey, in that conversation. And this is this is all the little cousins. Scotty, what, what books do you have for me? What books, you know, uh, you know, even them just trying to understand, like, you know, they're, they're, we have a nurse and a fireman. They're, they're doing stuff on the side and they're, they're, they're just being smarter and more aware because I got them, you know, I can't say meditate to them because they're just sitting with their thoughts for 20 minutes in the morning. And just it, people don't know these little changes just by adding, a, you know, changing your life one direction just changes the, the trajectory where you'll end up on your destination. Yeah, uh, I mean, I all my clients who say they, they don't have time to meditate, I'm like, just swing your legs over the side of your bed in the morning, put your hands on your heart and breathe, breathe, you know, focus on your breath for two minutes. That's it. You don't need to do any more than that. And you, have, you always have time for that. Um, so, yeah, it's and it, it is taking those small steps that will get you to that bigger uh, change as it were, because change happens gradually. Um, obviously when you have an awakening, it happens like that. Uh, it's quite instantaneous and it is, it is cataclysmic, it is uh, tumultuous, but then the changes you make after that, as you start working on yourself, you, know, you start releasing and so forth, little by little, you start releasing and little by little you start changing. It's only when you start looking back that you start seeing, or you can see the changes that have taken place. You know, you're sitting in the middle of it. It's like, oh my God, nothing has changed. I mean, I've been working on this for six years now. Nothing has changed. And then you look back and it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Exactly. So it's a, it is a wondrous process. It is challenging and when you're in the midst of it it's difficult to see across and uh, see land but uh, you know you, you i think it's part of that yeah let's talk about that trust when you're in this boat in the middle of the ocean uh, you know you have part of you still on on where you came from and you're kind of stretching out to reach the shore on the other side you know what is trust something that you challenged with? I, you know, after I, 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 like I did that looking back after um the divorce, and I, I just said, wow, you didn't, I didn't give myself any credit of like everything you go through, all these crazy chapters of getting beat down and come back up, getting beat down, coming and get back up. I took account of that and I kind of celebrated that. Um, and and from the work I started doing. Since my divorce, a lot of Carl Jung, a lot of going to the depths of my consciousness, looking at the darkness and seeing where, where what I'm capable of and understanding that there's a difference between being nice for the sake of being nice and then being nice to people for because I understand the malevolence that's in the world today um, and a lot of dream work, a lot of this understanding that uh, th that side of myself, where my weaknesses are, where my unconscious lies. Um, I think through this, there's been a lot of, I just, I feel very aware and I, I could really trust my gut, my intuition now after, you know, like I moved away from a hedge fund, Did you know, 
that I, all these things that just told me to go, um, have led me to where I got to be. So I really don't have an issue with, with trust, um, as far as myself, uh, you know, usually I, I'll take a little bit of time to take action with me, but it's just more that cause I'm a little scared or I'm a little nervous. I don't have the belief to do it, but, uh, I feel like my gut's always been right. This little, this little voice is always letting me in the right direction for someone. That's why I'm so grateful for that, for that intuition, that that calling is, is, um, a very under, undervalued tool in today's society. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, uh and I do teach, uh, teach a class on uh, intuition and uh, you know how to how to uh, identify and listen to your intuition and your guidance but we do it through uh, using psychometry um, so no totally agree with you on that Barbie and I uh, ran a, cl a class last year on on uh, science of science where we uh, help people to uh, work through their uh, you know synchronicities and you know playing with the universe in terms of you know okay well if i do this can you show me this sign and you you do that and then you get that sign and you're like wow that's amazing it's crazy <laughs> yeah see so it's uh, now for a lot of people out there that may not and i, I think you and i both have, have that challenge we come from rather analytical point of view and it's like if i don't see the evidence in front of me outside of me uh then i'm going to be challenged uh trusting it right so i think that a lot of people out there are challenged with trusting that little voice on the inside uh do you have any tips and uh tricks that uh, you can impart uh, to people that are kind of going through that process and needs to go th kind of establish that trust. Yeah, absolutely. So there was two, the, the clearing of my mind was the, the main thing. And I, you know, anybody pick, pick your poison, whether it's meditation, like I, um, I built a sensory deprivation tank. So every morning I'm in the tank 5am. So I meditate. Um, the, the stillness of my soul, it, it, I can't describe it. I think it, it really changes who you are. For people that aren't familiar with it, you're sitting in a, every, all your senses are, are kind of, you know, dropped off, um, pitch blackness, 2000 pounds, magnesium and Epsom salt pumping through it. Um, so your body's going to feel good regardless, but you know, you don't have to go to that level. That's just, you know, meditating for, for an hour. It gave me the ability to really be able to say, wow, what is this voice? Can I trust this voice? Um, is it good? Is it bad? Where am I at with this? And then doing another, another tip, which comes from the book, the four agreements was, um, speaking only truths. Um, and I started that in 2019 and not that I'm a liar. I was just, you know, I wanted the ego wanted me to look like this big, the great Scott. So you wanted to become this person. So maybe you tell somebody this story or that story and just embellishing. Um, and I didn't realize that even though I got away with it, you're, you're not getting away with it because you know that you're BS. And I think what, what happens is you're telling yourself you're not good enough because why do what I have to, why would I have to make up stories? Mm. So um, by, by just being honest with, with everybody and being, you know, very, 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 uh, watchful of what I'm saying and clearing my mind. It, it gave me this ability to like, well, I hear it and I'm being honest. So why not listen to that? And once, um, if you do that, um, you're going to see the, you know, so I could use the, the, the comedy or the podcast or the, any of these moves that I made that there's been like, this is the right way. It just feels right to me. And that's the, all the, the confirmation I need just to keep, to keep going. Yeah. And, uh, it's the, uh, using your words impeccably, uh, uh yes which is the uh, fourth agreement there and the four agreements. And um, 
that was definitely one of the pivotal books for me to start working through my process and working through, you know, my process of forgiveness and gratitude. Um, you know, not assuming that I know anybody's process, you know, people that in, from my ego perspective that have hurt me previously in life, I, I don't know their process. I don't know what has been going on in their life that made them show up in that way to me, right? Um, and not taking anything personally. I think that is, you know, we, we, ex we assume that everybody is out to get us when they're doing something that we don't like, right? Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And I suppose when you, when you come from a kind of rough and tumble background, then literally you, you face that on a daily basis, right? Yeah, and especially my mother's big thing uh, growing up was, you know, she probably got taken advantage. She has her own stories, right? But she said, never be a jerk to anybody. Don't let anybody take advantage of you. And being in New York, you're always looking anyway for where's this person's angle. And it's like, it's not a, that's not a healthy way. Yeah, you're so what? You could see the bullshit. But if it's costing you, you're, it's making you into a person who's like looking for an issue. Um, that's, that's still an issue for me. I still have to like pull back it. So at this point, it's funny because I'll get myself. I just happened on Saturday night. Somebody said something stupid. I was like, oh, I'm upset. And then I thought about it yesterday. I'm like, like, you know, you're catching it and then you're getting yourself upset. Like just being able to not hold on to it, just let it go. And, and you know, these processes are conditioned for what? They're, they're 30 years now that, that this is like my main thing my mother told me. So, you know, it's not easy test to, to get rid of them. But, you know, day by day, step by step, you slowly, you know, the fact I'm still not upset about it today made, made me happy. So it's a, it's a win. <laughs> well, and I think that is one of the challenges is, well, the first challenge is, you know, when someone upsets you in a situation like that, you know, you don't react with violence or aggress um, aggressiveness, um, but that you can observe the, you have the feeling come up and you're like, oh, that upset me. But you don't need to react in a uh, destructive way around it. You can kind of catch your thoughts and, be like, okay, well, I'm upset about this. How, you know, if it's a drunk person that knocks over your beer or something, if you, if you say anything to that person and they're aggressive, they're just looking to, you know, be triggered, right? Exactly. So in that case, it might not be worth saying anything. You're just like, okay, that's fine, you know. So exactly. it's, and then being able to release the anger, that is, uh, very key, I think. So observing it and then releasing it is, you, it simply happens because you're not, you're not attaching to it. You're allowing it to go out. It's, it's like energy. If we, the only way, I think they say that anger can only stay in your body for about 90 seconds because mm -hmm. it's an energy. It wants to escape, right? It's like electricity. If you don't, contain electricity it's going to move it's going to transmute it's going to transform right same right. with emotions there it's energy that it's going to flow through your body for you to experience it because it's your body uh, communicating something to you right so and like it's like how you said too like you know that not everybody's doing something personal to, to knock you or something and, and like even with, with this whole thing that happened saturday night that I, I found out the reason why this person did it and it wasn't you know, it, it was just a, a, he was dealing with a family thing with his kids. And it's, it's like, I was, I was so wrong in taking something personal to, it's just so funny how you, you just don't even know what you're talking about. Like you make up this, these whole things in your mind. So I think understanding that, you, you know, your, your thoughts are not 
always accurate, right? And then no. you don't even have to be your thoughts. It's just, it's just funny. I was laughing about it yesterday. So it's funny it came well, up. Well, isn't that such a beautiful verification or validation on that, you know, not to assume anything about anybody else? Because the only reason you get upset is because you thought he was directing something towards you. Exactly. And I'll even tell you what happened. It was just funny. Uh, I was going out with two of my close friends and this third guy wanted to come out, but he didn't want to have dinner with me because I haven't met him. So I took it as what, what the fuck What's this guy's problem with me, right? No, now that's that New York. Guy. Fuck this guy. I'm not going out making a whole thing. This kid, this, this guy was having this issue with his um, with his daughter who may have cancer. And that's why he wanted to talk to the guys at dinner about it. And I met this guy Saturday night. He's one of my, he's the best guy ever. Shout out to Elijah. He's amazing. So it's just funny how like, I, who the fuck am I? Who, who am I to make it about me when this guy's kid has fucking cancer? It's like, yeah. it's just a, just a silly, silly thing. That's what, you know, it's just funny. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is a good example of, you know, don't take anything personally because you can't, you don't know the other person's story, right? Exactly. So it's a, it's a perfect, perfect example. What are some of the other things you've learned about this transitional period in terms of moving from the old to the new, making that shift. Um, I know, as we said before, you, you're right smack bang in the middle of it, but in uh, what, what are some of the tools that you're using to suit or to deal with the fear that comes up because you know running a podcast as i know it's it's not like the money is going to start rolling in mm-hmm. <laughs> hand over fist as you and it, when you're shifting into something that is totally different uh, it is you know it, it takes a few years to kind of get going with it so yeah. what are some of the tools you've used to deal with the emotions or the the experiences that come up so lot, lots of different things. And I would say, you know, th- this, you have to see where your strengths and where your weaknesses lie, which comes back to awareness and the meditating stuff. So let's say you do all this, you're aware of where you are. So for example, I've learned that there's, there's two sides to this puzzle, the yin and yang. And this is where we could equate anything to in life. There's that doing energy. And then there's that being and that stillness. Um, for me, I've learned that I'm relatively good with the doing. Um, if you give me a goal and I use some personal development skills, set it, take a massive action plan, write, write down why you should do it. I could pretty much do that. Um, the other side is the being side, that emotional side, that stillness. When you say you're feeling, that is not a natural thing for me. Mm-hmm. So um, what I've learned to do is really keep the stillness. Obviously, med- discipline, wake up early, meditate, hit the gym, do all that stuff that p- puts me at ease. But keeping the stillness close to me. So I will, I, don't, I wouldn't call it meditating, but uh, every hour when I'm at work or when I'm even here, um, I will take five minutes to just be, um, to turn off that doing, that thinking, that 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 just that going, 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 because that's usually where my obsessive thoughts will come from. That's where you kind of fall off, fall off the hinges. Um, I have also, um, you know, started really just being more involved in a community that is um, connected to spirituality. So I have my cousins and they're all good, but not all of them like the spirituality stuff. So I've taken, uh, I, I'm a member of Three Jewels, which is a, it's a Theravada Buddhism class. So I'm taking Dharma classes. I'm taking uh, Tuesday nights and Fridays classes on Dharma and just connecting more to that community. And obviously when you're around people, like I, I didn't know this stuff existed. It's just nice to have people who are like more into it than I am and are on this journey. Um, so, but, but really understanding that the balance 
um, is needed for, for me. And some people may have an issue going, right? Putting their, their foot on the guest. Then you may have to focus more on the doing side of things. For, for me, I just know that it's relative. If I set goals, I'm going to hit them and I'm grateful and that's great. But the being side, having peace and really enjoying that um, was a struggle for me. Even, you know, growing the podcast and doing comedy, you get good at these things, you hit numbers and it's great. But if you're not enjoying it and you're just rushing through the process, what is the point of it then? Um, so really watching the quality of my consciousness has been the, the key for me this year, letting go balance and watching every single moment, being present in every moment. It's been a lot of Eckhart Tolle meditation. It's been a lot of, um, a lot of this being and stillness work, but keeping that close, keeping my spirituality close to me has been the, the, the probably the biggest game changer for me this year. Well, that's beautiful. And, uh, I think those are some really good, uh, some really good advice there in terms of, looking at where you're good and where you're not good um certainly the the action side of things has been my challenge because i'm a i'm a uh, uh, perpetual uh, uh what's the word uh, procrastinator uh, <laughs> and i push things off and then you know it, uh, the proverbial stuff hits the fan and uh, then it's like oh now i got to deal with it all at once and <laughs> and it's uh yeah so that taking action i don't have a problem with the the challenge with the emotional side and the stillness side you know i'm perfectly aware of uh, or able to sit with my emotions i'm perfectly able to sit with uh, or observe myself at, at any given time and i i can allow things to happen around me that I can accept but taking this action that that all, um, is where I find my challenge mm. um, so it, that's really good advice I appreciate Scott and uh, it's, um, I'll, I'll bring that into my own process and that's why we make a good team right the doing and the being that's why yeah, it works exactly <laughs> beautiful one more question here and it's you started touching on it, on it a little bit, but I found in my process that the more I awaken to myself, because when I look at awakening, there are, you can awaken to social injustice. You can awaken, you can have a spiritual awakening. You can have a, you know, awakening of all different, or rather there can be a wide variety of things or that, triggers your awakening so it could be you know uh, hunger in the world it could be uh, wars or civil injustice or just kind of your own shitty life uh, you know hitting rock bottom as it were um, mm. but i find that even though mine came from hitting rock bottom in my personal relationships i've had a number of awakenings around uh, a lot of other things uh, as I've uh, kind of grown into this process. Have you found that too, Scott? Yes. And for me, I would say it's that the, the younger kids think he keeps popping up and it's people living unconsciously. And what, what I try to describe what I do is, is just give something to the world that I think is missing dearly. You know, I see my young cousins, I see all these young kids they are on their phone. They're all just living these unconscious lifestyles. And I was lucky enough when I was 26 to realize all this is bullshit. Cause I, you know, I went to Vegas 37 weekends in a row. I, you know, did all this stuff with all the women. I did all like, I don't want people to go wait till they're 37, 38, 40. And then you realize it's not the answer when you just got to look inside. Um, and you know, not in a, in a way that we have to make it all woo woo. It's just, you know, 
does, does it have to, you know, if you, if just by sitting and clearing your mind, that, that could give you the answers that you want to. So there is something that I think, so there, there's going to need to be a, like, I feel like technology and social media and all this stuff has been such a, a fast paced thing. If you think about it, where we've been in 50 years, the social sciences has sort of fallen to the wayside. So trying to catch up that, I think not only is it needed to combat that, it's just going to be needed for the next level of consciousness that we're all dealing with, with this 3D world, the material world, the spiritual world, now digital world. Um, you're going to need, you know, there, there's a reason why ADHD is up. There's a reason why um, a lot of people are more anxious and more anxiety. If, if you think about it, all social media is trying to do is get you to pull to buy something or pull to attention or this or that. And then what are we doing on social media? You're comparing yourself to something else. That is, it's, it's built on things that we should not be doing. And I'm not saying don't use social media, but just being under understanding that you're using something that maybe you shouldn't be on for four hours, five hours a day. Um, I think there's a lot of intertwining and there's a lot of skills and tools that people could use to calm themselves down and be like, okay, let me use this for the right way. Let me not have an attention disorder. Let me be able to sit with my mind for four to five minutes. That's what I get worried about is what is the effects of all this stuff 40, 50 years from now, what are the kids going to look like? Um, so it does, you know, does worry me a little bit. So how do you deal with that worry? I like, like how we're saying, I just try to act and set the tone for how people should um, treat themselves. And like, for example, I, I realized I was, I didn't realize it. I was on Instagram for two, three hours a day and doing, you know, sometimes you're doing good cause and effect stuff, but most of the time you look at a girl's booties and doing stuff that's not good for you. So I just, I deleted the app from my phone. So um, using social media as a way, look at it in the morning and look at it at night has given so much more clarity to my mind and, and, you know, being the, the, that's why the name of my podcast is called causing the effect. Cause it's not about cause and effect. I want you to cause your own effect and you become the truest version of yourself. So I'm trying to do that just by example um, and living out and doing all these things. And, you know, uh, for people who have issues making money here, you go, it's easy to make money, do this. If you want to do this, um, it's hard to get spiritual. I could, you know, you could do it all. Um, it's just removing those beliefs. And that's another thing. I think when, you monopolize and try to make money off of these things. It's one thing to personal development and, and you think you have to add all these different things. But for me, it's been more removing the illusions and removing a fear or removing a belief. Um, and when you start looking at it that way, it just kind of, it's not that you have to become another person or become courageous. You're just kind of removing the veil of illusion here or there, um, trying to remove your suffering a little bit. Um, and these little, little tools, um, I think are how you get there. I think one of the, and I, I'm definitely one of the, uh, late bloomers as it were i was 44 years old when uh, i kind of started my process and i'm i'm 50 uh, uh and a month old so <laughs> you know <laughs> definitely uh, on the older side but the the one of the challenges i found was you get to a point where you start looking around yourself and you, you're looking at the changes you've made within yourself and the changes you've made in your life. And then suddenly you start looking around yourself and say, why the hell isn't everybody else doing this? And there's, as you say, and that's why I asked the question, there is that worry as to, you know, I worry about why other people, if people aren't doing this, you know, and that, that could be, I think, environmentalists, people that work, uh to solve the environmental problems and so forth they get really frustrated because people aren't really taking the steps they feel they should take in order to move in the right direction um so the i think that happens so i think 
one of the challenges is to accept everybody's journey. So, you know, if you see someone, see a kid that you're working with, just keep going on social media and kind of, yeah, I want to do this, but oh, it's really important over here, right? Um, rather than react to that is find how do I accept that this child or this kid or this person has to do their own journey in order to uh, find themselves. Because, you know, with my children, uh, especially my oldest daughter, you know, uh, it is challenging to accept that they have their own journey. They're on this planet to experience themselves. And all I can do is really to show up as a role model, but also to impart uh, the, the wisdom I've learned. And if they accept it, great. If they don't, then that's their journey, right? Yeah. No, and I think that's something that maybe you could let go and surrender that that thought. And um, I don't have anybody yet. And a kid, I would love my kids to be into all this stuff. I'm gonna ha- I want them up 430. I want them working out. I want them lifting. I want to meditate. It's going to be amazing. But um, the way I try to describe it to people is like, you have to figure out your personal sphere first. Yeah. So eat right, sleep right, you know, get all that stuff in order. And I think, you know, you can't have the people, you can't have a, a person who's awake if you have the people who are asleep. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of need those people so I could be doing my shtick and, you know, be having it. I do think there will be some people who were kind of left by the wayside. And, and I do think that in, in a sense, ignorance is bliss and it, this stuff doesn't bother them and they're going to keep going through their lives. And I have a lot of friends who like to listen, get married, have kids, do the whole thing. God bless you. If that's what makes you happy, um, then that's kind of what you're here to do then. But for the for, for those of us that have this inkling, for me that has that inkling and you're iffy on it, you have to go towards it because there is um, there is there is everything that you need within if you believe it. No, no, absolutely. And I think those are very wise words that you, you have to go through it or go towards it. It's, it's like Pandora's box opening. Once you open it and you start lifting the veil and the, you start seeing your own truth and your own authenticity, there is no turning back. Because once yeah. you, once you once you pop, you can't stop. Yeah. And when, once you're in that awareness, there's not you're not going backwards. I'm not. Go, there's no way for me to go back on. To, I, honestly, if somebody asked me like when I'm going through this, the struggle, like, could, would you go back to that? Unconscious? Maybe it was nice rocking and rolling and partying. But, you know, you're on the hamster wheel. And when you start seeing that everything is sort of a hamster, this needs to have a work like we, we, we made more money in a quarter than we made all last year. It's like, is that enough for everybody? No, everybody keeps chasing and chasing and chasing. I, I, what I've tried to do is just like not be too emotional when we make too much or when things are up or down. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I'm here, I'm attached, I'm alert, I'm present, but I really don't want it to affect me that much because we're going to go through this whole thing again in six months and everybody's going to be all hyped up or sad that you're winning or losing. So um, when you start to kind of look at it, like a, I, I look at life like a, like a game, like this little speaking thing I want to do, it's a game. I'm just going to add these little skills, making money. It's a game. You got to hit these numbers. You got to do this. It's all just a, a good way to like flow through life almost. Yeah. And it's uh, whenever something happens, you know, people say, oh, that's great, isn't it? It's like, good thing, bad thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, or like maybe my, my tire blowing out today and I, I not being able to do any work today. It's like the the uh, recovery guy comes up and is like, oh, having a bad day, huh? It's like, good thing, bad thing. I don't know. I'm learning something from this. I'm working my patience. I'm working my trust that, you know, I'm not going to miss something that is critically important and you know the it's it's a 
whenever the challenges show up, they are there to give me an opportunity to learn something about myself right? exactly. and how I respond to it. So uh, it's like I say, the pain is inevitable, but uh, suffering is a choice. Mm, that's right? well said. Well said. Well, I didn't say it originally. It was uh, <laughs> someone else, but uh, <laughs> we'll take it. I, I'm regurgitating it, uh, but it's it's like any knowledge. You, you bring the knowledge into your your head, and then you kind of once you feel it and you experience it, that's when it becomes wisdom, right? So, uh, do you, uh, Scott? Do you have any uh, last words for our audience here? Any? thing you want to impart or yeah i would say you know the the biggest issue i had in my 20s even now is that that little voice um you know it could be hard on yourself right and uh you, you know that only has the power that you give it right so try to talk to yourself a little bit nicer be a little bit more calmer and and you know just you're we're you're we are our our own biggest critic and when you start understanding that um you don't have to be so hard on yourself and you can really treat yourself a lot better. Um, you know, treat, I, I try to treat myself like, like if I uh, treat myself as if I'm somebody that I really care about and love and how would I talk to my friend that that's going through something? How would I, you know, really understanding that and changing um, that voice inside your head to just be a little bit more, a little bit less critical. Um, and I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. Cause that's, that's that, that was a big step for me. Beautiful. Well, thanks a lot, Scott. And uh... thank you, my friend. So uh, if you want to reach out to Scott, if you're listening to the podcast, you can uh, go to the, uh, the um, show notes and uh, you will find all his contact details there. I can warmly recommend uh, his podcast. It's uh, honest. It's, uh, you know, he, Scott is uh, in the seeking part of his uh, journey, I feel. And uh, yes. he, he is uh, humble in his pursuit. And it's uh, beautiful to see uh, his uh, journey um, unfold. So uh, it's a, a great pleasure to have had you on here today, Scott. And uh, we look forward to uh, doing this again soon. Chris, thank you so much. I love what you're doing too. And um, anybody has any questions, just, just feel free to reach out. I'm always here to help. Um, just trying to figure it out like we all are. So. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll uh, catch up uh, with everybody next week. The Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius wrote, if you are pained by external things, it is not that they disturb you, but your own judgment of them. And is it is your own, uh, your power to wipe out that judgment now. So when we do hit rock bottom and we move through those processes and we move into this transitional period of moving into a new uh, idea of ourselves and reflecting ourselves on a, in a more authentic way, we can do that either with a lot of suffering or we can do that with level of understanding of the pain that we are experiencing to help us uh, move through with relative ease as it were. Of course sometimes the pain is overwhelming and those times are or anytime really it's always a good idea to seek up a professional to help you compartmentalize and uh, kind of sift through the weeds as uh, to, to understand the process that you're going through.
I have at the Alchemy Experience uh, certainly gone through these uh, challenges myself and uh, offer a mentoring service for anyone who uh, would like to uh, reflect on that insight with uh, someone else, and that case being me. So just visit us at thealchemyexperience.co.uk and there you can click on a link to uh, book a 30-minute free consultation just for you to explore if we are the right place for you to uh, reflect on these things and work through uh, these experiences within yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will uh, join us back here on Friday next week for the next episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. Until then, take care and enjoy.